Is a popular popular podcast. Do not be afraid. Welcome to Popular History, a library of Catholic knowledge and insights brought to you daily. My name is Greg, and this is the Popular Coding System for the Reliability of Sources. First, a little introduction. We're using Pope colored glasses, so you might think that means we believe every pious story. Not so. There are certain fundamental truths of the faith that we will accept such as all scripture being the word of God. But outside such public revelation, the details are habitually studied and evaluated to a surprising degree, and have been since the earliest days of the church. Just because the story is popular among the faithful does not mean it is true. Even in the second century, the church father Tertullian reported that the widely read Acts of Paul and Thecla, the main source we have for the life of St. Thecla, was a forgery. St. Jerome, when translating the Bible from the original languages into Latin, reportedly believed errors had been made in the venerable Septuagint Greek translation of the Hebrew Scriptures, the very translation most scholars agree was put to use by Jesus Christ himself. Jerome sought to avoid such errors by translating directly from the Hebrew texts available to him rather than relying solely on the Septuagint. Of course, such critical analysis has never been without controversy. Her story may be largely based on an apparent bit of fan fiction, but St. Thecla remains a fairly popular saint, even being declared equal to the apostles in the East while being suppressed in the West in 1969 due to a lack of historical evidence. Similarly, the Septuagint Greek translation of the First Testament retains a pride of place in the East where, I think it's fair to say, tradition is generally emphasized over scholarship an approach which has benefits and drawbacks. Now, no pope can justly forget his Eastern brethren, but it would be disingenuous to pretend the approach of the Western Church was the same. Rather, there has been a heavier dose of skepticism in the West, especially since the 16th century Days of Rupture, when the Protestant Reformation resulted in a greater emphasis on the Church as the appropriate authority for settling questions of authenticity. In time, there would come movements like the Bollandists, a church-approved association that grew out of the Jesuits, whose mission is, in short, basically to fact-check the lives of the saints. Okay, one more counterbalance, because the tradition of scholarly critique in the West is neither unbroken nor unlimited. Tradition is an important part of Catholicism, and there's a reason I default to accepting various traditions in my show. That's all part of our Pope-colored glasses. The full rejection of the special status of tradition is called modernism, and that has been condemned by the Church. I should caution that, quote, the full rejection of the special status of tradition, end quote, is my own working definition of modernism. I'm literally quoting myself there, not any authority. But it's handy to have an easy working definition of something we're seeking to avoid as we wear our Pope-colored glasses. Now, if you're wondering what the old reliable Catholic encyclopedia has to say about the definition of modernism, well, quote, a full definition of modernism would be rather difficult, end quote. And that's an actual resource this time, not just me, so you can see why I decided to come up with my own working definition. Pius X, 
the Pope who most forcefully came down on modernism, famously had a working definition of his own, calling modernism, quote, the synthesis of all heresies, end quote, which, while snappy, well, uh, still leaves some room for detail. But this episode is really about sources, not modernism, so I need to move on. For those interested, I am linking both the old and new Catholic Encyclopedia in the show notes, and I'll even be releasing an audio version of Pius X's anti-modernist oath as a supplemental. So, yeah, you're welcome to follow along, of course. For me, it's sort of a quality control measure, as modernism is the heresy any non-conservative Catholic such as myself is most likely to be accused of. Okay, now that we've got that background out of the way, let's talk about how we're going to apply certified modernism-free historical criticism to the various sources and writings we'll be using over the course of the show. In a nutshell, I had a think and came up with five categories to use to quickly convey how much I trust a given resource. I won't be applying these to every resource, but when I do apply them, you'll know what I mean after you listen to this. First, Category 1 refers to a resource I find generally trustworthy. It may still have an occasional error, but it's overall reliable. For Roman history fans out there, Tacitus is an example of something I'd place in Category 1. Category 2 sources have consistent minor issues, but are possibly the best we have. Rome fans think Livy. Category 3 sources may have major issues noted in the show, but are otherwise solid. Roman example here would be Julius Caesar, with his issue as a source being the nature of propaganda. Category 4 sources have major issues as the norm. When I talk about a Category 4 issue, I am including them not for their historical value, but because people discuss them, and I want you to know about everything people discuss. The Roman history example here would be the Historia Augusta. Category 5 is reserved for straight-up conspiracy theory. I still find conspiracy theories telling, but if I put something in this category, I'm going to explicitly call it a conspiracy theory. Roman example here would be that TikTok that argues that the Roman Empire didn't exist. Folks, there's a TikTok for everything. And no, I'm not going to link to that. Thank you for listening. God bless you all.